What's up, Crime Turning Nation? I'd like to thank you all for your patience and waiting an extra week for a new episode. I started a new job and it just took a little extra time to get acclimated, but I'm back and I'd like to welcome you all to another episode of As the Crime Turns. As always, I'm your host, Desmond Dravel, and I'd like to thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this on. New episodes drop on Sundays. Also, check out the As the Crime Turns website to find additional details and extras about each week's story. That's www.asthecrimeturnspodcast.com. Without further ado, let's get started. Welcome to this week's episode, 71st and Collins. When I think of art, I think of fluid. I think of fluid because art comes in many forms. It can really go in any direction. Regardless of whether we see, touch, smell, or taste it, art has the power to make us feel. Now our story this week is about an artist who had the ability to make a lot of people feel with his work. He had the ability to inspire, uplift, and encourage. This is the story of Israel Rifa Hernandez Locke. Miami, Florida, one of my favorite places. Great weather, beautiful beaches, and a melting pot of culture from all over. Miami was home for Israel Hernandez. He and his family, which consisted of his father, Israel Sr., his mother, Jacqueline, and his sister, Ophir, moved to Miami, Florida from Barranquilla, Colombia on an asylum visa to escape the violence, poverty, and the lack of rights they faced daily in Barranquilla. They sought the American dream, as some may title it. According to Ophir, Israel was very fun to be around growing up, and like a lot of siblings, annoying at times. As they grew older, she considered their relationship to be much more than siblings. Israel and Ophir were more like best friends. They told each other everything. They hung out all the time. As she stated, they were best friends and brother and sister. At a young age, Israel and the people around him knew he had a natural talent when it came to art. More specifically, drawing. It was when he got to high school at Beach High in Miami that his talent truly started to flourish. Israel was very well liked in high school, very popular and friendly with almost everyone. He had friends from the popular circle and the less social circle. He passed no judgment. He would befriend anyone he shared mutual interests with. He was voted as historian of the art club. Of all the members, Israel had a willingness to help anyone and share what knowledge he had. When it came to his artwork, Rifa was most intrigued by minimalism, a movement mainly defined by simple forms, shapes, and colors. He also developed a love for photography and topography, 
He would photograph people on the street and even the city bus. He would make note to capture a mix of moments from happy and comedic to tragic. In his senior year of high school, his works were recognized on a local and even national level. He entered several competitions and won, allowing his work to be displayed all over. A highlight of his high school career was winning the renowned Gold Key Award, given at the Scholastic Art and Writing Awards. This is an award show put on by the Alliance for Young Artists and Writers. They feature over 20 categories of art and writing. Winning the Gold Key means winning the highest award available and gaining national recognition. After winning this, Israel's work was displayed at the Miami Art Museum. Rifa's name and artwork began popping up throughout the Winwood Art District as well. Outside of school, he was known in the vibrant graffiti community. He was known there for his signature flower petals and his signature tag, Rifa. Israel was even in the talks of starting a skateboard line with his friend, Raphael Lynch. Raphael and Israel would hang out at the MIA skate shop in the Sunny Isles community. This was Raphael's part-time job. The theme of the skateboard line was to create irregular-shaped skateboard decks. Israel's hard work would land him a scholarship to an art school in New York. He was enjoying his last summer in Miami when things came to a screeching halt. In fact, he would never make it to college in the fall of 2013. On August 6, 2013, Rifa was out pretty late. According to friends of Israel, Felix and Tiago, around 2 or 3 that morning, Israel decided it to be a perfect time to add a masterpiece to a rundown McDonald's. He enlisted his two best friends to join him to watch for cover and protect him as he was painting. The three headed to 71st and Collins Avenue the Miami Beach area, to the location of the new campus. Rifa began yet another masterpiece, his last masterpiece. While he was painting, the police passed by a few times, but the guys were good at being discreet, so they were able to hide. Just after Israel painted the R to his tag name, Rifa, around 5 a.m., police spot him. Now, what would you do if you were just caught spray painting on a building and the police caught you and your friends. 7-4 of course, their natural instinct was to run. The three flee. It seems as though the police took to Israel more. I take it because he was the one painting. Israel attempts to hide in a building and then jump a fence, at which he's met by a gang of police. He attempts to run again when he's hit with tens of thousands of electric bolts to the chest. 
by a taser. Once tasered, witnesses say Israel showed signs of medical distress. It was said while he was lying on the ground, injured and in need of emergency medical treatment, the officers were seen celebrating, including high-fiving one another and speaking of how Israel's slender body reacted to the taser. Within minutes, Israel was dead. Police apprehend Felix, Tiago, and transport Israel to Mount Sinai Hospital, where he's pronounced dead. Felix and Tiago are questioned for 10 hours straight and then finally released. Some 12 hours after Israel's wrongful death, his parents are finally notified. At the time, they live five minutes from the location Israel was killed. Here's the police statement per Chief Raymond Martinez. At 5.14 a.m. on August 6, 2013, Miami Beach police officers observed a subject vandalizing private property, graffiti, on 71st Street and Collins Avenue. As officers approached, the subject fled the scene, ensuing a foot pursuit by officers. During the foot pursuit, the subject encountered officers face-to-face at 71st and Harding Avenue and ignored officers' commands to stop. In order to effect his arrest, an officer deployed his conducted electrical weapon, also known as a taser. The subject was placed into custody. Once in custody, the subject displayed signs of medical duress. Miami Beach Fire Rescue responded to the scene and transported the subject to Mount Sinai Hospital he was pronounced dead. The subject has been identified as Israel Hernandez. At this time, the cause of death has not been determined by the medical examiner's office. Autopsy and toxicology results are pending as well. This incident is an open and ongoing investigation. The city of Miami Beach would like to extend their condolences to the family of Israel Hernandez. The officer he was speaking about was Jorge Mercado, an officer whom, at the time, had six complaints filed against him, ranging from battery to violating the department's code of respect. All complaints were dismissed, except one in relation to drug testing procedures. According to Amnesty International, this taser, while a non-lethal tool, had caused over 500 deaths from 2001 to 2013. As of February 2019, this number has risen to 1,081. The police report describes the last few moments of Israel's life as feelings of panic. However, not once was there a mention of a taser. I've placed the complete report on the As the Crime Turn site for you all to check out. Israel's death sparked an outrage and a movement in the Miami community. People loved Israel and his artwork. They were also furious with another innocent person being harmed by the police. 
We begin with this story that has a lot of people, a lot of you, absolutely outraged today. You see, He's a vandal. It's graffiti. La muerte de un joven colombiano tras el disparo de una pistola eléctrica sigue desatando indignación en la comunidad del sur de la Florida. Taser guns can kill. That's exactly what a South Florida teenager's family says happened to 18-year-old Israel Hernandez. To draw attention to police brutality and misconduct, his family organized numerous vigils and protests. They also submitted a report to the United Nations Committee Against Torture. One week after the death of Israel, the Hernandez Locke family holds a press conference to announce plans to file a complaint with the FBI or Florida Department of Law Enforcement over what was described as excessive force by the officers involved. After a short investigation, Officer Mercado was allowed to return to work as he had allegedly followed proper procedures. His reign as the taser eventually came up again when reports appeared that Officer Jorge Mercado had been accused of tirelessly tasering others, including an army veteran he tasered to death just a year prior to Israel. Five months after the death of Israel, an autopsy had yet to be released. Finally, in March 2014, seven months after the incident, the report is released. The autopsy stated that Israel's cause of death was accidental through electrical discharge. Shortly after his death, a committee was formed, the Justice for Rifa Committee. Member Jorge Estaba explained, quote, Israel Hernandez Jr. did not fall on a taser. He was intentionally tasered to death. He committed a misdemeanor and did not have any weapons on him, according to the police reports. Quote, on May 28, 2014, Ophir files a wrongful death lawsuit against the city of Miami Beach over her brother's death. Shortly after, her mother and father sign on as well. In August 2014, now one year after the death of Israel, the Office of State Attorney Catherine Fernandez Rundle announced that it would not be able to get a jury to convict Officer Mercado of any crime and will not bring any charges. Despite the amount of public outrage, and the Justice for Rifa Committee and all of their efforts, this ruling really came at no surprise. What I learned in researching this story is that no police officer in Florida had been criminally charged for an on-duty shooting since 1989, let alone an on-duty tasering. According to Rundle, and I quote, after the medical examiner determined that Israel Hernandez Locke's death was accidental, it left little legal room to pursue any possible criminal charges. Our extensive investigation determined that the sad tragedy of this situation is that no one involved intended or anticipated any serious injury occurring to this young man. Quote, Things seemed to die down for a while after this decision until 2016, when a video was released of the police chase. Watching the video, it seems Israel is running down dark alleys, jumping over fences, 
and falling on the cars. The pursuit ends with Rifa slumped over on the street after a taser to the chest from Officer Jorge Mercado. The creepiest thing is that it seems like the officers are holding guns or what possibly could have been maybe tasers. This is why Israel's parents feel he was running and no one could blame him. He wasn't doing anything wrong. He was simply doing graffiti. I don't see the need for a gun or a taser or anything violent. October 2017, after four years of protests against the city of Miami, the wrongful death lawsuit brought on by Israel's family, Israel's senior, Jacqueline, and Ophir is settled. Remember, 2014, the family filed a lawsuit against the city, stating Miami Beach police used wrongful, unnecessary, and unreasonable force to detain Rifa and failed to provide the proper medical care when his breathing began failing and he was showing signs of distress. According to court affidavits, releasing the city of Miami and its fellow police officers involved in the incident from any claims, the Miami officials denied all liability but agreed to settle by paying out $100,000. The family decided it was best to settle as it would cost more to go to trial than any amount they would be entitled to had they won the case. It's sad to think that such a talented artist who had won so many awards and had such a bright future had a full scholarship to our school in New York uh, is settled down to $100,000. People all over were touched by the death of Israel. In 2014, the Fusion Network published a documentary entitled Tasered, The Israel Hernandez Story. The video documentary goes into the life of Israel, as well as the history of the taser and the fatal damage it has caused. In 2016, a children's book was published. Stan Jakubowicz, an illustrator, Jefferson Quintana, partnered and created Israel Lido, a story that explores Hernandez Lot's two personas, the outgoing skateboarder and the impassioned artist. There was a launch party in the Wynwood Art District near Israel's vibrant graffiti artwork. Even though Jorge Mercado was not charged in the death of Israel, the city of Miami, after a lengthy review, released a revised set of rules around the use of the taser. The main change was that officers deploying tasers should avoid the chest area if at all possible. The recommended points of aim are the rear torso below the neck and front torso lower center which below the chest or heart area. Prior to Israel's death and several others, Miami police only discouraged from hitting suspects in the eyes, face, or groin. Wow. In late 2017, the city also released a new version of the Taser. The new version, the Taser X2 Smart, was designed to incapacitate suspects with smaller amounts of electricity. 
Currently, there's a film being made about Weeper. I found a Kickstarter uh, in relation to the film. So far, it just shows Rifa the movie. But I found a letter from the director on the website. I'm going to leave the link on the As the Crime Turns site for you to view at your leisure. But I want to read a part from the letter that I found touching. It states, and I quote, Perhaps it was that Israel and I were both the children of immigrants, and as such, I knew firsthand the sacrifices immigrant parents go through, what they leave behind in order to raise their families in America. Like Israel's mother, I too have a son and a daughter who are incredibly close. And to quote Israel's sister, Ophir, quote, to learn how to live without my brother is to learn how to live without my arm, quote. It was all these things and the image of a beautiful boy skateboarding through Miami, as many artists painted homages to Israel Rifa Hernandez, that inspired and encouraged me to make this film. Then from the moment I met Israel's family and saw his artwork close up, I knew the story had to be told. That was four years ago, and it has been a long journey trying to get this film from script to screen. There have been many sleepless nights spent feeling the immense responsibility of telling Israel's story. The Hernandez family has tremendous faith in me. Ultimately, I knew this film was worth fighting for, and I'm so glad that I not only stuck with it, but also found partners who were willing to fight to make the movie with me. We are so close to making the film Rifa a reality. Now more than ever, films like these need to be made. We need to see life through the eyes of immigrants to truly understand their sacrifice. Most importantly, the world needs to see the beauty of an artistic soul. We are making a movie about Israel's life, not his death. A love letter to my city and to an artist I will never meet but admire and know so well. Thank you for your support, Jessica. It states that the estimated delivery of the film is May 2019. Again, I'll definitely place this link on the site for you all to view and uh, take a look at your leisure. That's it for today's episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed today's show. As I said at the beginning, as my crime turned to nation, I'm relying solely on you to let me know how I'm doing. So if you like today's show, please go on an Apple podcast or whatever platform you listen to this on and subscribe. If you're on Apple, be sure to give me a five-star rating. And if you can, leave a review. Let me know what you think. Also, keep up with us on social. You can tweet us at As The Crime Turns and even follow us on Insta at As The Crime Turns Podcast. Until next time, I'm Desmond Dervell, and this is As The Crime Turns.